Welcome back to another edition of Changing of the Times. Boys, uh, we are in the middle of the Elite Eight. We've got Gonzaga just blowing away everybody. Um, you know, they're up 20 right now over USC. Oh, and then you got the US, UCLA, who's obviously the surprise, storm, surprise team in the tournament. They're playing later tonight uh, with a chance to go to the Final Four. Um, joined by David Hulak, obviously my colleague, partner in crime in this, and our special, special person of interest, Spencer Grossinger. But boys, you know, we'll talk about the tournament a little bit later this week with another podcast. We're going to focus on the NFL trip, which is exactly one month away. So, mm-hmm. David, where do you want to begin? San Francisco made a huge move over the weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, last Friday, when they yep. moved it to the three spot. Uh, obviously, it looks like they're targeting a quarterback. Both Mac Jones and Justin Fields had pro days today. Someone said that uh, it was quoted as saying that um, Mac Jones has Mac Jones has uh, okay or average athletic ability. What's your thoughts? Um, I think Mac Jones. I mean, what you saw on tape last year. I mean, I, I would agree he's okay to average athlete, an athlete, but. You know, he seems to be an elite decision maker with the ball. You know, a little bit difference between Mac and, you know, the whole narrative the year before where Tua, where he had all the weapons in the world. I mean, Mac Jones for most of the year just had Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle was out for most of the year. So he did it with relatively unknown guys. Maybe these guys end up being first-round picks in the end. But, you know, Mac, Mac is absolutely a stunning player. And then you have Justin Fields goes out today and runs a four – Four 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 forty, whatever it is. I mean, elite athleticism. There's something that tells me that Justin Fields is a guy that you know San Francisco's targeting. I could be totally wrong. I mean, he's a little bit of um. It seems like Fields with a little bit more mobility, a little bit more bootleg off the play actions. You know, Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball. You know, feels like Fields could definitely be the pick here, but you know, I'm up in the air on which who it is. I know Spencer will have a big opinion, but but either way, you know, I think you can't go wrong if you're San Francisco. Spencer, is it fair to say, obviously, after Urban Meyer's comments yesterday, Lawrence is the guy that they're going with at Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say Zach Wilson after his pro day is going number two to the Jets? I, def- I definitely believe so. I mean, Zach Wilson just got freaky talent. Um, I think he's a decent leader. I mean, he could rub some the wrong way with just his, his confidence. Um, but I look at Zach Wilson, and and I think he's the clear-cut number two choice. And then we're going to go with uh, – and then Mac Jones or Justin Fields. These are both guys that have had terrific uh, college careers. I'm concerned a little – my only concern about Fields is the loopiness of his release, like how he really cocks his arm back, kind of like Carson Wentzian a little bit. All right, Spencer, I'm going to cut you off right there because we are joined by national recruiting analyst Adam Gorney, who has actually seen some of these guys that are NFL draft prospects. Adam, you've done it for 20 years now. It's hard to believe, buddy. And uh, you've seen Justin Fields. I actually went back through some of your rivals' rankings. and so funny. You had Lawrence and Fields number one and two. And then you had Panay Sewell at 67, and uh, or I'm sorry, at 60, and uh, Jamar Chase. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. What When you're seeing these guys now, evaluating these guys back then what have you seen and what uh, what what progressions do you think they've made going through the nfl yeah we've certainly had some hits and some misses along the way and you know that's uh to be expected when you're trying to rank juniors in high school but lawrence and fields were sort of no-brainers i mean we had discussed a little bit that fields might be the number one player in the country um but you know when you look at trevor lawrence and what he's done what he did in high school, just how he looks, how he plays the game, how he carries himself, pretty easy to make him number one. And, you know, you know, maybe take some credit for that one uh, four years down the line. But uh, he was just a phenomenal player the whole time. Fields, I, you know, I get what people are saying and some of the concerns, but this is, I think, overthinking it. And why the Jets always pick one in the first three or four picks and why all of these teams are always bad is because they have bad choices in there. <laughs> in their uh, draft, um, you know, if you want to take Zach Wilson ahead of Justin Fields, you know, feel free and, and go for it. But Justin Fields is a phenomenal player, a winner, went to a program, um, you know, Georgia misused him probably, and then went to Ohio State and was uh, very good there. Is he perfect? No, um, but he's a very, very good quarterback. Panay Sewell in high school was weird because 
was a little overweight. He wasn't all that muscular. We didn't know if he was a guard or a tackle, then just went to the Pac-12 and absolutely crushed everyone and, and, and did really well there. And then Jamar Chase was a guy who in high school was very talented, but went to LSU and bulked up, became this physical freak, just blew by everybody. And there could be a discussion at the top of the wide receiver rankings there in terms of the draft. Um, Devontae Smith put up such great numbers and was so unstoppable. You, you worry a little bit about just his physical nature. Um, Jamar Chase sits out the year. Um, I don't think you're, we're going to hold it against him that he sat out, although some other people played and did re really well. But uh, Jamar Chase is super special too. It'll be interesting to see how far he falls and if Joe Burrow gets his wish, if he could play with him. Yeah. Adam, Adam um, as you were guys right now, obviously through the pandemic, you know, you're going, you're finally back out there and in, in seeing some of these guys. I saw some of your videos over the weekend. How different is it compared to I've college coaches reached out to you and said, okay, what are you seeing with certain kids? Because they haven't had a chance to evaluate them. Yeah. You know what? It's weird. It's, it's weird on both sides. I've talked to college coaches and they've said, we've signed people in the 2021 class that they've never met in person. They don't really know much about them. Um, they've done zoom calls with them, but really, you know, this is much different than meeting someone in person and spending a weekend with them for both ways. Like the kid gets a feel for the coaches gets a feel for the position coach, gets a feel for the campus, um, all those kinds of things. But the coach also gets a feel for the kid and the family and what uncle wants what and who's bothering who and is the kid a pain in the ass and all those kinds of things that you can't really know just over a Zoom call or just texting with a kid. And so I think in my profession, you know, a lot of people are like, is your job okay? Is football going to happen? I've never been busier. Um, People yeah. on both sides are trying to like figure out what's going on, the situation, when we can take visits, when we can't, when coaches can go to high schools. And so a lot of my job has been like not, you know, an intermediary, but certainly in the middle of, um, you know, I can't get to a campus, uh, but I've done, you know, a Zoom call or a virtual visit or those kinds of things. But Josh, you know, I mean, walking around Penn State's campus and, you know, looking at it on Google maps is a completely different experience. And so these kids are making lifelong decisions about whether I should go to Alabama or LSU with never meeting the coaches. They've never met them and they've only seen the campus by, you know, taking a tour online. It's, it's, it's been tough. And there's no game days. You can't like see how you would fit into a culture or a roster. I'm curious, since you deal with so many coaches, do any of them watch uh, these kids in 10th grade or is it pretty much all 11th and 12th grade? Oh, no, no. They're definitely they're definitely involved with them in middle school. Uh, eighth so they might grade. know the parents at least then. Some, yeah. Somewhat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those relationships are built. The good schools build the relationships as early as humanly possible through the high school coach, through the people that are involved with the kid every day, and the really good ones get to know the kid on a personal level and the people that really matter to them in their lives. Is it, is it their mother? Is it an aunt? Is it a grandmother that lives with them? Is it an uncle that uh, happens to be running the kid's recruitment? And I know you, know you see this a lot in basketball, but this is sort of the transition to football recruiting as well is like, um, you know, seven on seven is a lot like AAU basketball. Uh, seven on seven coaches have a lot of influence on the kids and where they go. And if you're a really good college football coach, then you ingratiate yourself not only with the high school football coach and the, the parents, uh, but the seven on seven coaches, the handlers, all of the people that really have an influence on the kid. Because, you know, I do this for a living. And so every year it's sort of the same cycle. I get I get like the same repetition and so do the college coaches. But for a kid, they get to experience this once in their life. They have no comprehension of what's going on. Uh, I, say, I say to parents all the time, it's like the greatest year of your life and then you want it to be completely over because it's so, it's so involved, it's just constant. And by the end of it, the kids are just tired of it and wanna go somewhere. But the coaches that really do the best job are the, kid, are the ones that identify the really talented kids early, identify the kids who are really involved in their, uh, the people that are really involved in the kid's life and then go after those kids and develop personal relationships. Adam, you've obviously been doing it for so long. How much of an influence do these kids realize that you play in their lives with a, with an extra star? Okay. Whether he goes from, whether he's going to central Michigan or he's going to Michigan with going from a three-star to a four-star. Do they realize that when you're out there evaluating them? 
Yeah, I think the thing that I, I think it's I think more and more they do realize that. But the thing that I don't think we do a good job at as as kind of a of an industry wide thing is kids going to Toledo or a kid's going to Ohio or a kid is going to Temple. You know, that's a two star, maybe a low three star just off the bat. And you you go through you'll go through the NFL draft next month or you look back, you know, Rocky Sin, those kinds of guys from, you know, all there's so many JJ Watt, all those guys. Um, just because they don't go to like a power five great school doesn't mean that they're not going to play in the NFL. And what we do is very difficult because we're not only ranking kids off of where they are now, but we're trying to project them to the NFL draft. So our rankings this year, our, our five stars, will try to get to 32 mm-hmm. and we'll try to m- pretty much mock that off of a first round NFL draft. So obviously defensive end is a primo position. Safety, not so much. Wide receiver is important. Quarterback is hugely important. Offensive tackle is more important than offensive guard. So all of those things factor in. Even if the biggest ass kicker in high school football is an offensive guard, probably won't be number one in the country because he just won't go number one in the NFL draft. So all of those things kind of play big factors into what we do. Um, And it's tough because – you know, the, you know, if you look at the offensive tackles in the NFL draft over the last five, 10 years, you're talking about guys that a lot of them played tight end in high school. A lot of them weighed 235, 40 pounds. And then the guys who are 6'6", 310 pounds, they're already reached their ceiling. They've already maxed themselves out. And so it's tough to really gauge that. If you're a 240 pound kid from Massachusetts going to Boston College, to project that kid as a first round draft pick is nearly impossible, but that's kind of what we're trying to do on a day to day basis. Yeah, and, and Adam, well, uh, Coach, can I uh, ask him, or you want to go ahead and I ask? Spencer, I know this is Adam. By the way, you what you do for a living is Spencer's like wet dream. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great, it's definitely a lot of fun to be able to to scout these kids and and be able to, yeah, just meet them and you know all these kids and and your rating system and I'm sure I'm sure it is just just hard work. I mean, it's it's probably not just all glamour. Um, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of hours, but it's great talking with you, Adam. And I wanted to ask you about like the the quarterbacks that go into college. So you have guys like Jake Fromm and Sam Ellinger, and then you might have like a Jacob Eason. And Ellinger and Fromm, I would say that Fromm is maybe like an, I would say he's like an A college player, like a very successful, really good college player. When you're rating guys that are five stars, are you rating them for the college game? Like look at a Sam Ellinger, a five-star career, a Colt McCoy, an absolute beast in college, Chase Daniel, but then there's guys that go to the NFL and that are much better in the NFL. I'm, I'm trying to think off the, like Josh Allen, maybe better in the NFL or like, I know Mahomes, he would get beat at by TCU, but at the NFL, he's elite. So would you give a guy a five star if he's going to be a dang good college player and maybe not an NFL player? So I'll tell you, it's not glamorous because I spend my like half my life in a Spring Hill Suites in San Antonio, Texas, and it's not exactly the greatest part of my life. And being yeah, I'll, away take from I'll take yeah. that. I'll take that. That's not so bad, right? But uh, so the way our rankings work, and it, and it is confusing because it's like this guy's a really great high school football player. He has fifty offers. Why is he not a five star? So the way we do it is we combine college performance, kind of projecting college performance. And then NFL draft, where he will end up in the NFL draft. Not how he plays in the NFL, because that's beyond our control. That's like, you know, I can't tell you that Josh Allen is going to be a good fit with the Buffalo Bills or will be a terrible fit. But what I can tell you is that, like, Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech will have the ability to put up big numbers and throw the ball a lot. And so we try to combine the two, and it's certainly not, you know, frictionless. There's a lot of, like tough ways to figure that out. And we don't rank guys after they sign. And so, you know, a lot of guys are on at signing day and their rankings won't change. Well, a lot of guys picked wrong schools or schools that don't really fit their system or, you know, a running quarterback who's going to a pro style system. But when you see a guy like Jacob Eason in high school, you look at a guy who's six, six, has it made has a rocket arm. And all of those things are, are very easy to kind of figure out. It's, does he take football seriously? Who are his friends? Uh, does he really love the position? Does he study it? Who do, who do, who does he model his game after? 
is he a winner when he's down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter? Is he screaming at people on the sideline or is he getting them ready to go win the game? How is he in the huddle? You talk to his quarterback coach in high school and his trainer and is he training or is he on Instagram all day? Like all the things that like you think are probably not important, all like the head case stuff, that's the stuff that really is important, especially at quarterback. Like Patrick Mahomes is so cool. He'll be down three touchdowns, doesn't care. Um, some other guys will be up three touchdowns and yelling at his receivers on the on the sidelines and care about what his girlfriend's doing and who she's talking to. And so all of those things, I mean, the stories that you see when you're at high school football games, like the star receiver is eating a hot dog on the sidelines and doesn't even care about what's going on in the game. And so all of those things kind of like factor into it. But but yes, like like you said, Spencer, it's kind of a thing where you take college performance, you, you take kind of sort of projected college performance. How will he perform in college? Where will he end up in the NFL draft? And then you kind of come to a ranking while also considering that this kid's a damn good high school football player. And, you know, he really wants to be really good at the position. He really cares about being good. Um, he's not just promoting himself, all of those kinds of things. And then you, you take all of that information and then you try to do the best you can with what you got. Interesting. So you, so you, I, I, I've seen though five star kids that still might be those head cases. So it seems like as long as they have the talent, they could still achieve the five star. It's kind of up to them what to do with it. Would Would you yeah. say yes? That's kind of a good part of the job, then. Yes, sure. And and like in at our company, we've always debated whether we should take like academics into our rankings. Do should we care if a kid goes to junior college? Should we care if a, if we know a kid? is not taking academics seriously. And then, you know, we point to like, you know, for lack of a better option, Aaron Hernandez. You know, we know he's not a great kid. We know he might have some trouble in his past. But man, when he's on a football field, he's he's going out there and he's kicking ass and he's scoring touchdowns and Tim Tebow swears by him and Urban Meyer, you know, at least publicly swears by him and all those kinds of things. So it's really just like, we're trying to predict the future with as much information as we could possibly combine to, to make the best informed decision that we can make. David, so, I know you want to chime in here. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to, we'll take it more to the NFL draft again. A guy like Trevor Lawrence, I was talking with coach earlier today, probably from the time 2017, he's been the number one projected pick in the 2021 draft for probably from the second he walked on the Clemson's campus, but even as a senior, this guy's going to be the guy. This guy. Has there ever been a guy that you can remember? So your, your obviously expertise here, that's really just kind of been the number one guy. It never, ever wavered coast to coast the way that Trevor Lawrence has been from the time he stepped on a, a Clemson campus to what's going to be Jacksonville in a month from now. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and like you said, even, even from when he was in high school, it was, a wire to wire number one kid. Um, I think Jadavian Clowney might have kind of fit that same billing a little bit. Um, but but no, I don't I don't think anybody has been like Trevor in that sense. And and it's kind of peculiar. I mean, these guys get paid to do it for a living, and so they have to pick these people apart. And should Zach Wilson go ahead of them? And should Justin Fields have been the number one pick before this year? But you know, you see this a lot of times and and it's crazy that Trevor has never won a Heisman because he's, you know, clearly one of the best players maybe in college football in a long time. And, and, and is, is he perfect? No. And is, does he go to Jacksonville and is immediately a Super Bowl contender? Probably not. But um, the kid is just, you know, a taller Peyton Manning type. I mean, he is just a guy who makes great throws, who's phenomenal, who has carried himself like a professional since he's been 15 or 16 years old, um, who has not cared about, you know, how many Twitter followers he has or, you know, all of those kinds of things, like all the things that you can be collective about when you're looking at a quarterback. And that's why Dabo has loved him so much and has treated him with such respect over the years, not even like as a kid who's a quarterback on his college team, but like kind of as like a, a counterpart, like someone who he can rely on at all times. And so, and that's why Urban Meyer takes the Jacksonville job and, and, immediately just doesn't even really think about it it's almost like you take this guy and if you're going to fail you're going to fail but you're probably going to succeed over over time and so i don't remember anybody like that because 
throughout the times we've, you know, moved guys off number one, moved them back to number one. We've had years where we weren't really even crazy about our number one pick. But as we went through this, and I'll tell you, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and JT Daniels were all at the Army All-American Bowl. And Trevor probably wasn't like way, way better than either of those guys. But we just were like, let's not overthink this. Let's not be stupid and, and go nuts. You know, and now JT Daniels is, you know, has already transferred and is now down, looks like two receivers at Georgia and is definitely not even in the draft. And Justin Fields, we'll see where he goes. Maybe now the fourth quarterback taken, which I think is probably a mistake. But so I'm happy we didn't, but sometimes overthinking it is 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 the biggest mistake you can make. But Trevor has been phenomenal for years. Dave, Dave I got I got one actually. Oh, you go, Spencer. <laughs> To take over the show, to 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 it's my show. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to say Miles Garrett would be maybe a wire to wire one. A five. Yeah, Miles Garrett. We had actually number two in the country, and I'm going to say Miles or Nick Bosa would be very the closest. Yeah, Nick Bosa. Both were up there. Miles Garrett was so good at the Under Armour game when we saw him, and just another guy that was like, this guy does not belong in high school football. So he, he was phenomenal. The, the only difference, Spencer, where I think, and I think um, Adam kind of alluded to it, it's like just Trevor Lawrence. There has never ever been like, yeah, like JV on Clowney was number one guy, ends up being number one. But it's like this guy in no mock draft anywhere, maybe some someone off the beaten path puts him at number Spencer. two or something like that. That's on them. He's the most hyped up, and he's yeah, this guy has literally that. for four years, you mm. could not find anyone that would say this guy's anything but the number one pick. There you go. All right, Adam, yeah. I got a I got a player for you. Talk about evaluating. Greg Rousseau was a receiver coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a defensive end. How do you evaluate a guy like that? It's it, see, that's the thing. It's like so. So what we've kind of done over the last five years, and um, we've we've really thought. Adam just cut out. I think we lost Adam, but we've been having a good interview with him. We're talking about Greg Rousseau. There he is. There he goes. There he goes. Yeah, we got you, Adam. We got uh, what back. we we're said back. is the most important things, first of all, are, are the things that we consider. Like what drives me nuts is when I'm on Twitter or whatever, where I basically live and it's like, you can't measure heart. You can't rank heart. <laughs> that's, that's, that's. I think he's saying bullshit. On <laughs> the kids and being around the people that know them and trying to figure out who really cares about going out there and being the best player and and the kids who are just naturally talented and just don't really care. And so the kids that are determined and like are great and, and we measure heart and all that kind of stuff will will move up in the rankings. There's just no way around it. But that's the thing that we've really started to think about is like the best athletes should be ranked higher just because we don't know where they're going to be physically 4 years from now. We can kind of look at their parents. We can look at their dad. We could look at their mom. You know, if the mom walks in and she's five, nine and a, and a bigger woman, we know the kid's going to be, <laughs> we know the kid's going to be an offensive lineman or something. That's really, you know, a road grader kind of type. And so those are all things that we, we take into account, but like you said, and there, there have been so many examples of guys that are five ten as seniors in high school that are now six, two receivers or, Guys that weigh 180 as seniors in high school who are now 225-pound defensive ends. But what we care about is just looking at athleticism. So are you more athletic? Are you bouncy? Do you have that, like, just that gene that you've seen, Josh, on basketball courts where they just bounce up and down like they're on a pogo stick? Football coaches are going to, especially in today's game where it's all about spreading out the field, getting guys in space, um, very rarely are teams just running smash mouth pro style offenses, especially in college. Um, it's all about who's, who's the most athletic player that can play in space. And we've thought about just moving those guys up. Even if they're not great football players right now, three or four or five years down the road, they're going to be better. And Greg Rousseau is a guy just like that. All right, Adam, I, when you go, here's my question. When you're doing one on, what's your favorite one-on-one -on -one drills when the offensive lineman is going against the defensive lineman, with a receiver going against the cornerback when you're doing it at your camps. What, is, what do you look at and you go, oh, I can't wait? Because I, I, me, it would be the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman smacking heads. 
Yeah. What I, I, I dislike, I hate running back linebacker one-on-ones because of course a running back is going to be able to run past a 240 pound inside linebacker, 40 yards down the field with no safety over the top. And I also hate when every one-on-one for a wide receiver defensive back is like a 40 yard nine route bomb down the field because that's just not realistic. But lineman one-on-ones is fun because there's like a, uh, there's like an energy to it. And it, it, at, at the right camp at the right time, especially like at like our five-star challenge or the opening or like the really elite camps, those guys don't want to be, um, those guys don't want to be made fools of, and they have a big time ego and they're not going to be pushed around by anybody. And you get really, really physical. So even without pads on, um, you can't bull rush because someone doesn't want you to go right into somebody's teeth and knock them out. But you get really physical. You get a lot of ripped jerseys. You get a lot of talking, especially for those interior guys. Um, it, it can get really, really fun. Is there a matchup that you remember? That maybe we don't even know these guys. They didn't like pan out like it was a Justin Shorter was a five-star kid and went to Penn State. No. I'll tell you, the Brian Brzee, the kid at Clemson, he was a freshman this year, five-star kid. He ended up number one. And I'll tell you why. One of the biggest reasons why he did was – he went to our five-star challenge last year and he was kind of poo-pooing if he was going to do one-on-ones and we didn't want to pressure him really, but we were kind of saying, you know, a lot up for grabs here. And he just like became an, a maniac on the field and starts just, just dominating people. And then we saw him at the army game and he had pads on finally and just went after it. But at that five-star challenge, we also did a bench press competition and so this guy, Bryce Foster, who just signed with Texas A&M, he called, we call him the mountain, like the guy from Game of Thrones, because he's just so big and powerful. I actually think he was like a state wrestling champion and like a power lifter. And he put up like 30 reps on the bench. And Brise, who was number one in the country, had nothing to prove, was already with uh, uh, committed to Clemson. He was like, I'm doing more. And he got on the bench. And he, I think he ripped off like 24 and he didn't beat him, but... Just that, like, and like we've talked about, like that mentality of just, I'm not backing down to anybody. I expect to be the greatest. I'm not going to, you know, do, I, I, if I'm number one in the country, I need to prove that I'm number one, not just sit back and do nothing. I think those are the guys that are special. And those are a lot of the things, but man, yeah. over really, geez, like 20 years of doing this, I've, <laughs> you see a lot of guys doing a lot of stuff. Adam, have so. the quarterback drills changed because there's, because there's so many mobile quarterbacks now? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think our thinking on quarterbacks has changed too. And five years ago, eight years ago, if you're not over six feet tall, no chance of being a five-star. No, no chance. I mean, there's just no chance. Uh, if you were six, three or six, four and a pocket passer and you're one of the best in the country, very good chance. And now it's almost kind of switched. Um, Okay. where if you are a pro style guy that needs to drop back and have a pocket pocket protecting you and you you're not mobile, it's going to be tough to be a five-star. I mean, it's just going to be tough. If you are a guy who's really like a point guard on the football field, that's directing the offense that um, can get out and create, we don't want guys. And, and this is the kind of the tough thing. You're five eleven in high school and you're really good. That doesn't mean you're the next Kyler Murray, but it does mean that you are what the 21st century quarterbacks look like, like a guy who creates um, wide receivers want guys that are creative and will find them down the field and won't run out of bounds scared or get sacked because they can't move. Uh, I think you see that in like, um, like a Jared Goff versus a Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson will run around and create and like a chicken with his head cut off, find somebody down the field and make a play live and receivers will run their route then know to come back and get the ball and the ball's coming to them and something's going to happen and the ball's going to move down the field jared goff if the, if the pocket breaks down he's going to slowly look like me running out of the pocket and try to get to the sideline as fast as humanly possible so he doesn't get smashed into into smithereens so i i think that that has completely changed um i think the quarterback position has changed i think Nick Saban has, who, who used to be, you know, who would bitch and complain to the SEC officials about Ole Miss running too fast of an offense is now running all those plays, has Sark as his offensive coordinator and Lane Kiffin and Tua and all these guys. Now Bryce Young, who is, you know, maybe a hair over 5'10", 
will be his quarterback next year. And the position has completely changed. So our evaluation of the position has changed and how you, and how you operate. Yeah. Adam, I, I wanted to ask you about like the elite 11 in the opening and because you see Trent Dilfer on TV and he, and he seems to be great with these kids. Is there any stories ab- about like some of these high schoolers, like kind of challenging either the professional quarterback that will come in uh, trying to like be the alpha of the group. And like, if there's a college quarterback that he looks at him and, and tries to go after him in, in terms of competition, what are you looking for in terms of, in terms of confidence from the quarterback position when, when you're at these camps, like the guy taking the first rep, um, a guy who's not afraid to fail. I mean, what sort of stories do you have from that? Yeah. I, and I, and I think that's an important part it, and it's a delicate balance that these guys want. They, they want, they want alpha male leaders, but they don't want, you know, dickhead types. You know, they don't want guys who think that every, they know everything that, especially in high school, they don't want guys that come in and won't listen. They won't want, they don't want guys that don't want to come in and work hard. They don't want guys that won't come in and be leaders for the teams around them. And so one of the interesting things that the Elite 11 does and what I've liked over the years is that they put the quarterbacks in like very negative positions and see how these guys react to them. Some guys fold, some guys rise to the top. And I think that will tell you a lot. Um, you know, if you read Bruce Feldman's The Quarterback Book, I th- it talks a lot about this where, um, you know, Dilfer takes guys out and Navy SEAL trains them with like actual Navy SEALs. And some of these guys are like, whatever, man, I'm not, I'm not into this. And if you're not into that, then go have spring training at Alabama or Oklahoma when it's 95 degrees outside and you're running wind sprints and you're not going to be into that. And, and so everybody around you, especially when you're a quarterback reacts to that stuff. And so if you're all about yourself and you're about your stats and you want this many passes a game and you're not going to do any of that stuff, that's going to be a big time negative. And so I think the quarterback position especially is so important for that because it really does um, e- even more than like a point guard on a, on a basketball court, because a power forward, a small, a, a center can kind of dominate or shooting guard can get hot. And the, as long as the point guard gives the ball to them, then, then that's fine. But especially in football, which is like so, so a lot of people think it's like the ultimate team sport is like, if I'm going to be an offensive lineman and I'm going to get my head smashed in all game long, trying to protect you, you better treat me the right way too. And like, if I'm a receiver and I'm going to run the hardest routes and I'm going to try to get open for you, then you can't be someone I dislike. I mean, it's just, just kind of that easy. And I think over the years we've seen quarterbacks where, you know, it's been about them and offenses don't work and they get benched and then they complain about getting benched and then they get traded, you know, and that that's kind of how it is. And then you get guys like that. And so I think even at the high school level, um, you can just see like, and, and still kids are immature, even though they're like six, five and 220 pounds, they're still 15, 16 year old kids. And they still have a lot of growing up to do, but you can see the kids that like rise to the level and the kids that back down from that stuff. And, and you want to be kind of riding with the kids who, who, uh, who rise to that level. Who's been the guy that, go ahead, David. Here's a name. If you, if you, if you don't want to directly answer the question, that's because of your profession, that's fine. I think I know where you're going. Right. Um, Tate Martell, how does he not work out? Everything, you know, he's the best, he's the best, he's the best. And three schools later, he seems to fit that mold of, I don't know, everything you read, bad character. Yeah. I mean, completely I, my fault there too. I mean, I look at, uh, I look at what I did in 2000, I think it was a 17 class. I'm not sure, but That's two of was ranked. There's so many guys like Martel that we can oh, go. It's not, it's, who is the, the QB one yeah. show? Let's talk, let's talk about Martel. So, so you look at two, uh, two and Tate Martel were in the same class and mm-hmm. two in high school. I mean, little pudgy, maybe six feet tall lefty, which actually, you know, got a, got a, a negative ranking for us because, um, before the last few years, the last lefty to throw an NFL touchdown was Des Bryant. So like wow. receivers don't like lefty quarterbacks because the ball comes the opposite way. It spins the opposite way. Your, your Josh is dying. 
left he's done your he left tackle now needs to be your right tackle it's like a whole screwy system so but tate martell was always sort of that guy like very confident about himself <laughs> loved himself thought he was great and when he was on the football field though his teammates loved him his coaches loved him and he scored touchdowns all the time like it was almost like i'm so cocky I can do whatever I want on the field. And then he sort of backed it up, and which is so crazy. And so he commits to Texas. He committed to Washington as an eighth grader. Okay, red flag. Okay, fine. He backs off that commitment. He ends up at Texas A&M. And Kevin Sumlin was the coach at that time. And you're like, this could be Johnny Manziel too. Johnny Manziel was the exact same way. Thought very highly of himself, super cocky. Obviously, you saw that on the field. He didn't hide it at all. He was exactly that guy. And so he's going to Texas A&M, and you're like, okay, this offense is going to fit him. He's going to be able to throw the ball around. He can move. Uh, he can escape. He you know, doesn't care about pressure, getting hit. Yeah, he definitely has a personality that a lot of people don't like. He's cocky, all of those kinds of things. D commits from – this is a perfect example. D commits from Texas A&M, which probably would have been a really good spot for him, and goes to Ohio State sits behind Dwayne Haskins and Urban Meyer and Ryan Day want no part of it. Like no part of his theatrics, no part of this doesn't win the starting job. And now he's at Miami again, a spot party spot, nightclubs, girls, Perfect. all this stuff that like is essentially Las Vegas on the Atlantic ocean. Yes. Um, new, new, new coach who's completely kind of crazy offensive yeah. coordinator change. Um, weird quarterback situation, girlfriend insulting the coach. Like, yeah. And he, even he going back, remember, didn't he tell Nick Starkle or something at AM? Like, he was poking fun at Nick Starkle. Yeah, there were messages back and forth that Nick Starkle was trash and that he was going to AM and he'd win the job and all those kinds of things. And, you know, honestly, he was probably better than Nick Starkle. So I, you know, I guess I don't have any problem with that. I mean, if people read all my DMs too, I mean, geez, I'd be. <laughs> Yes. in trouble but he essentially picked the two worst wrong schools for what he does and what he did and his personality type like i mean maybe iowa would have been a worse spot you know what i mean like just his personality type did not fit what he what he is and what he was and i still think he's a very good quarterback and he's now back in vegas training and i you know i'm not going to obviously skew, you know steer the kid to a school but just go to UNLV. Just stay off the radar. Put up thirty touchdowns. Run your four four five at your pro day. Maybe get on a practice squad. Impress somebody. Do something. But that is one that I, uh, you know, looking back at that time, I was like, man, this kid. I'm telling you, he is. I don't care that he's five ten. I don't care that he's cocky. I think those are those are good things. And they came back to bite me. And and Adam, just just to to to, make, to prove your point, I mean, you have Baker Mayfield, Spencer Rattler is certainly, I think, very cocky, but tremendous as a quarterback. Um, and you look at Johnny Manziel was a terrific college quarterback. So so many of these guys are going to have that that swag and confidence. And yeah, it's so going to work. And it's going to work. You look at Baker Mayfield. Okay, he goes. He walks on at Texas a or Texas Tech. For whatever reason, left Texas Tech under we have no idea what happened there. So he doesn't want to work with Cliff Kingsbury. He goes to Oklahoma and wins the Heisman, plants Oklahoma's flag in the middle of Ohio State's field. Number one pick, Kyler Murray, very not talkative kid in high school and thought quite highly of himself. Okay. Go, you know, goes to Texas AM, kind of he, here and there on the field, transfers. Now at Oklahoma, number one pick. So Yes, and the dad is controversial figure. <laughs> Rattler, Rattler, I, I don't think Rattler was as cocky as just like, I guess he was cocky. I mean, he's, you know, a basketball player, undersized quarterback, little Napoleon complex going on. And, and look, he's going to be he's going to be a phenomenal quarterback, too. So maybe Tate Martell should go to Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yes. Adam, one guy who's basically had similar controversy and character issue is going to be a top 10 pick. Is uh, Mika Parsons? Yeah. What do you think about him? Do you do you believe any of the you know uh, fun activities he took part in at uh, Penn State in the locker room? Or I don't. I, I don't know. I mean that that I don't want to get into. But I will say this: in high school, he was at the All American game. 
And they were going through just basically a walkthrough. I mean, it was like a glorified scrimmage, but it was really a walkthrough the day before the game. Micah Parsons is at linebacker. The quarterback throws the ball, and about two seconds later, I don't even remember who the quarterback was, about two seconds later, Micah Parsons comes storming through the line, and boom! (laughs) (laughs) Like 10 yards back, end of the scrimmage, end of practice, end of everything, you know, and then you hear stories out of Harrisburg, the Ohio State stuff, you know, I don't even really think it was his, you know, issue with Ohio State and the ESPN thing and the college game day thing. I think that's ridiculous, and that's for another time and another podcast. But I wouldn't be shocked if Micah Parsons, as they do, you know, NFL teams are going to do FBI background checks. They're going to do serious, serious deep dives into these kids' lives. They're not going to pay them lots of millions of dollars um, if they're not completely confident or as much as they could possibly find and be able to kind of swallow it too. Um, but man, what he ran at, at, at that pro day was amazing. What he did at Penn State for the time that he was there and played was amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to say Vontez Burfecht, the guy that you know has basically made an NFL career of cheap shots and taking kids' heads off and stupid stuff. But would I be shocked if Micah Parsons next year has a few flags for late hits and stuff like that? I would not be shocked at all. Adam, we're gonna wrap up with you soon. Uh, really appreciate you jumping on. So, if you're the if you're the Jets, you're taking Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. No, I'm not taking a quarterback because you 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 just can't keep blaming the quarterback for uh, you just can't keep blaming the quarterback for the team's problems. They have very weak receivers. You know, they have all kinds of problems. They finally dealt with their offensive line. Fine. If you you know, is Darnold that bad that you need another quarterback to replace him? All they do is just throw the ball eight yards anyway. And so, um, you know, if I if I was taking quarterback, I wouldn't care about the pro days at all. Zach Wilson, for 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 everything that he wants to do, rolling out to his left and then throwing cross body 50 yards down the field, that's fine. But there's going to be a safety there and there's going to be a defensive end there and there's going to be, you know, people hitting that receiver down the line. So, you know, and this is what drives me crazy. I look, I'm following Justin Fields at pro day today. Two days ago, it's Zach Wilson has the greatest pro day ever. Now it's Justin Fields has the greatest pro day ever. And so pro days are especially pro days at the school where they can design exactly what they want. That's why missing the combine this year, I think there's going to be a lot of misses in the NFL draft. And I think it's going to be because in Indianapolis, the NFL guys have this down to a science. They know exactly the drills that coaches want to see to kind of like really press their weak points. And at a pro day, you just do whatever whatever you're best at. So Zach Wilson could be practicing that throw freaking every night for a month, and then he throws it once at a pro day, and everyone's just amazed by it. If I was taking a quarterback, if I had to take a quarterback out of Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, I'd turn that tape on of BYU Coastal Carolina where, where Zach Wilson wasn't phenomenal, and Justin Fields was kind of dealing with an injury maybe all year. If I had to, I, I'd probably take Justin Fields. But if I really had to, I, I would take a shot at Trey Lance from North Dakota State. <laughs> you really like him that much. I mean, really? I, if I was the Jets, if I was the Jets, I'd draft Jamar Chase and get a playmaker on the outside. That's what I would do. You know about um, Trey, you know about Trey Lance, like his personality and stuff from North Dakota State. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is with and I'm talking to Philly guys here, and the Carson Wentz didn't exactly uh pan out in the same in the same sense and and i'm also not like i'm not crazy about you know uh guys from from that level of school who you know didn't play full seasons and all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. but if you're the jets i mean at this point you just take a shot and and hope you're you've hit gold um Mm. zach wilson is perfectly fine i don't really have anything against them but i think Mm. if i if i had to i would take justin fields all right uh, Jason, here's another question. This freak athlete that Penn State has, the Jason Uwe, whatever his name is, Adam, he did nothing at Penn State. Why is he projected a first-round pick? I know. That's the thing, too. And, there, you know, there. I think there are, like, two schools of thought here. One is, you know, Mel Kuyper is very good at his job, and Daniel Jeremiah I love and is very good at his job, and Todd McShay and all those guys. And you'll look at their mock drafts, And then you'll look at the first round of the NFL draft and it's completely different. And so they have to take shots on guys. And 
really are the Arizona Cardinals talking to Mel Kuyper about their, their needs and really what they're thinking about and tipping their hand, especially at the NFL where it's like, I mean, it's like the CIA there where everybody tries to get the, like the slightest little edge. Are they really going to tell, you know, the public or people in the media what they're thinking of doing? And, you know, you've done this and we've, we've, we know this. I mean, when, when Joe Paterno was up there or James Franklin is up there, he has an agenda. We have an agenda. The players have an agenda. Do you think the GMs that entire job relies on, uh, on who they pick, where they pick them, all those kinds of things. If the coach likes them, if they have a job next year, is he going to come out and say, yeah, this is the guy that we really like in the first round. So, you know, again, very little at Penn state athletic kid, but first rounder, you know, if, if you want to, you go right ahead and pick him first round. But I think that's a mistake. I would rather take a guy like, you know, Antoine Winfield last year, didn't have the measurables, played at Minnesota, but man, when the ball was in the air, he was picking it off. He was setting up quarterbacks. He acted like he didn't know where he was. And then he was flying over to the receiver to knock his teeth out. Those are the kids that make it in the NFL. And I think, you know, you know, you just have to, you look at, you look at the mock drafts, take the mock drafts like tonight, look at, take all their mock drafts. And then look at what the first round of the NFL draft looks like after Trevor Lawrence and after Panay Sewell and after maybe Zach Wilson. Now, you know, it, it's it's really a crapshoot. You're absolutely right, and with so many receivers as well, who knows where they're going to go? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, the, and that's the thing too. And it's so hard. And, and and even from what we do, it's so hard because I don't know five years from now. And this is when we're ranking seniors. I don't know five years from now what the draft order is going to look like. I don't know what the Miami Dolphins are going to need at pick three. I don't know if the Oakland or or if the uh, Vegas Raiders are going to still have Henry Ruggs or if they're the worst team in the NFL now or if they're going to be in five years. Five years ago, you couldn't predict that New England wouldn't make the playoffs. Those kinds of things are just very, very hard. So, um, you know, even last year, no one thought, until like the last couple of days, Henry Ruggs was going to be the first wide receiver taken. Um, so it, you know, Rashawn Slater, Panay Sewell, um, you know, no one knows how that's going to turn out or, or Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. So it's just, it's just hard to know. Mock drafts are fun, fun thing to look at. It's a fun thing to talk about. It's fun things for, you know, the Detroit Lions fans to hope they're getting, a guy at number nine or whatever. And then they take TJ Hawkinson and then you're like, okay, TJ Hawkinson. And then, um, so the jets will be excited about Zach Wilson when they get him. And three years from now, they'll probably be drafting another quarterback, not because Zach Wilson is bad, but they, he just has no one to throw to. Adam, one, remember one guy, a kid named uh, Kevin Hart, who, uh, signed, <laughs> yeah. allegedly, allegedly signed with the, uh, Cal. Cal, Cal. Remember that story? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a thing too, that we have to, <laughs> We have to be very, very careful about, and like there are actually like corporate policies in place now about um, like making sure all these kids actually exist because, you know, we're all adults and, you know, we do stupid stuff from time to time and whatever, have some fun. But there are people that like intentionally set up like fake Twitter accounts with fake huddle highlight tapes with fake offers just to see if they could basically like ruin my career and make me rank a kid that doesn't even exist. And so that's part of my day too now, which is just even more fun. But uh, yeah, I mean that kid. And, and I think uh, somebody, I don't know if it was sports illustrator or somebody just did like a 10 year review of what they, and I, I think they tracked that kid down or his parents or something. It, he had no offers, hardly played high school football. And, he picked Cal over Oregon in a, in a big win for the Golden Bears that day. <laughs> <laughs> one of the crazy da- great David, coaching. David Spencer, yeah. For those of you who don't know, this kid actually created his own signing day, correct? And like hyped yeah. this all up, and the school, everybody at the school was there. And he then they like they checked who was the te- uh, was it Telford who was the uh, head coach at, at Cal? Yeah, Jeff Tedford. Yeah, yeah. He had, he had he had he was down to Cal in Oregon, and he didn't know which way to go, and he finally picks Cal, and then. Everyone's like at Cal is like, who is this kid? We, we've never heard of him. We've never talked to him. We don't have any idea who he is or, or, or anything. And he basically just created his own signing day, his and, own huddle and got a scholarship. They never got a scholarship, but 
Yeah, there was no scholarship. There was uh, nothing. The coaches at Cal didn't even know who he was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I really appreciate you jumping on. It's always fun catching up with you. Uh, yeah. Dave, David and uh, David, I coached. He was at Northwestern State. and He went to Notre Dame Prep, so he knows all the prep school stories. Adam <laughs> actually broke the Mike Beasley story for going to Notre Dame Prep. Number Mike Beasley, ago. yeah, yeah. I remember being at – I think I was at the school when that happened, right? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun, fun time in Massachusetts. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and the stories are legendary. So David's got it. David lived it, it lived there. And Spencer, obviously, you do his job, Adam. He's a he's a huge fan of yours. He was the one when I was walk, we were walking through the pandemic. You were saying Bryce Bryce Young was going to be a starting quarterback next year at Alabama. Instead yeah. So I well, all that. I know is that one night, the Josh and I drove from Penn State to Philly. Oh my gosh. To Madison Square Garden to watch Penn State in the NIT, I think it was. NIT against Notre Dame. We had about 50 beers at the Blarney Stone right across the street, watched the game. The Miraculously, Josh sobered right up, and then we drove five hours right back to State College that night, man. If I did that now, I don't think I'd make it to Jersey <laughs> to get a hotel room. No, I remember. Ara was in the car, and uh, Christy was just not a pain in the ass. Uh, that, that's what it's all about is NITs. NIT, NIT, yeah. NIT yeah. victories. For Penn State, it's, it's yes. all about. But uh, Adam, really appreciate you jumping on. Thanks so much for the time. Loved it. Love catching up. Hope the family's doing well. Baby number two on the way, huh? Baby number two on the way, yeah. You know, my wife and I have been together twice in our life, two kids. So what are you going <laughs> to say, you know? All, I, all I'm mad about is that Joe Crispin didn't get the Penn State men's job. Yeah, well, you know, John still talks about that too. I bumped into John a number of times. He's right. He he's yeah. he, he's been dating Robin Gukas for like fifteen years. He has to wear the spandex sometimes to get some noise. All right, guys, great catching up. Yeah, thank you, Adam. Thanks, All right, see you guys. Yeah. Well, boys, definitely fun having Adam on. Uh, Spencer, I know that's probably a dream of yours to do what he does for a living. It's a great job. It's fun. So, we got we got to track down where he goes to the camps to see like if he see if those opening you know uh, the camps at, out at Nike if you know get credentialed up this show can get credentialed up to go watch. So real quick, David, why don't we jump into the top the top ten? Uh, your thoughts? Do you think obviously? Do you think uh, what do you think Miami's going to do at six? I, I think the fact that they move back into the move back into that top ten, I think they're they're hell bent on getting a receiver. Of some of some substance because at that twelve spot you could easily get left out. You know, you're you're, you're out of that little party. So I think that they they're definitely going for a playmaker receiver type. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's going to be Chase? Do you think, or do you think? Uh, well, you know, you know, everyone's kind of got this like Chase. A lot of people are projecting Pitts to whatever. Um, even the Bengals and stuff like that. Something tells me that Jamar Chase is going to end up with the Bengals. Something just tells me that, you know. You really Burrow, think so? Something tells me Burrow's going to get his guy in Chase. I could be wrong. I mean, um, he's been lobbying for him. He definitely has been lobbying for him. And they did. They won a national championship when they were together. Yeah. So there's something telling me that, you know, it's going to be Chase to the Bengals. So you might be looking at Jalen Waddle, maybe a Kyle Pitts, but I think that how they. About, how about Smith? Smith to Miami would make a lot of sense. It would. I mean, I, I don't think you can go wrong. You know, I think that kind of as Adam alluded to, it's similar to the NBA draft where you just kind of go for that ultra athlete and you go for the highest upside guy. That's kind of where you got Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I know. Jasicki's very good, though. I love him. I love him. He's my breakout. So, very good, I wouldn't say. But so you want to draft another tight end. I think they got to go wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, but the, the, thing about, the thing about a guy like Pitts, I mean – he is a receiver. You know, he basically, he's a receiver playing on the inside. I don't think mm – -hmm. I know you've said about, you know, Ingram, but he's he's a much higher-rated prospect than Evan Ingram ever was, you know? Mm -hmm. He was better in college, you know? Like, I mean, I don't know. You can't go wrong. Yes. a lot of places that you can't go wrong here. So, you know, you'll be very interested. I agree with you. But I think Jamar Chase ends up with the Bengals. I would agree with that. So, so Spencer, so, so then tonight, so, so we'll slip down. Yeah, he'll slip again. Um, and based I, on yes, so, so Spencer, do you think he, so? Where Sewell do you think ends up? Is he the first lineman taken? He could be. I mean, I, I'm not sure Atlanta is rock solid on on both on both tackles. I mean, if I were Atlanta, I would look to trade out of 
unless Mac Jones is still on the board, I would look to trade out of this pick um, because you still have Matt Ryan. I would actually accumulate a lot of future picks, kind of like even trade with the Eagles, or I know Denver's very interested in a quarterback. You could even trade with Chicago up at 20 and maybe get two first rounders. If I was Atlanta, I would do that. Their receivers are good. You have Matt Ryan. You need to start planning for the future. I don't think you want the fourth, uh, f- your fourth quarterback on the board. I don't think that that's good value at all for the Falcons. All right, they should so, trade out. So, David, the team that's always seems to be in the news right now is the team that's near and dear to your heart is Carolina. Are you going to stick with Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater? Or do you think they're going to make a move? Do you think they'll take a quarterback at eight? something tells me they're going to go that they're not going to draft a quarterback. I think you're going to, unless they, they go up and make the move up. To, but I think, you know, Miami seemed to be the willing participant it's things you read. But once again, I'm not a big believer in the media that the Falcons are not a willing participant, that they're pretty stuck on four somewhere within something yeah. four. you know? Yeah. You can't trade with a division, with a division. Yeah. Uh, and, I and I don't think in it, division. You, you're 100% right. You, you rarely will see that within the division high move. So at eight, it's like, unless you really have your guy, you're talking about maybe like the fifth quarterback. Could, you know? could Justin Fields be, be falling to him at eight? Yeah. So I mean, something tells me that Fields gets picked in that um, top four, you know, quarterbacks. And, you know, then it's like, you know, is Trey Lance Lance the fifth guy. Jones, it has to be the guy you like at that point. Right. It tells me that this is me. This is like me for Penn school here. Okay, so you take. So he, you think he slides? There's a good chance if you look at it this way. Obviously, we're gonna say Jacksonville takes Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Wilson goes the two at the Jets. It looks like San Francisco's gonna take Jones or who knows uh, or Fields or Fields, or fields right? Yeah. I don't see it being Lance. I agree. Fields could be in there. I mean. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't know where Atlanta's going. Maybe they take a quarterback, maybe not. They're they're pretty I think a sleeper. I think a real sleeper for a quarterback, by the way. I mean, and once again, they're stuck in the contract, but you know, once again, bad contract's bad contract, and this seems like a team willing where you're going. is Detroit. I knew that's where you're going. Yeah. Detroit seems like just a real sleeper. If the right guy falls there, I mean everyone says, Well, you're Jared Goff. Like, what does that actually mean? I mean, they're gonna be moving on from him in the next two years. What does guy they love? You know? Yeah. So, you have to love the guy. And you're rocking the boat then. Well, immediately. The boat, Spencer, Spencer, you're not rocking any boat. You're just putting Jared Goff on the bench just to you basically accum- you, you basically accumulated picks for taking his contract. I don't see it as rocking the boat. The guy will just sit the bench and never be your starter. Here's the thing though about about the about the Lions. Their roster's not good right now. So you want to get the rookie when your roster's ready to go. That's that's true. I'm just saying, if there's a guy that I know, once again, we don't know what these guys think. I'm just saying, if there's a guy that they love, you know, I think I Kellen think. Kellen Mond could go to Detroit because their whole staff is from Texas A&M. At so. eight, not at eight in in the second or third round. Okay. All right. All right. So then at seven, Kellen Mond start. might be a second round quarterback now. Could be a first round. Could be. Could be. Could be a first round pick. You know, like you know, out of nowhere. Yeah, you heard Chris Sims, right? Yeah, I mean, you, I know where you get like one of these teams who's like, yeah, we don't feel like paying a first round player here, and I know where you get Kellamon. He kind of looks real sexy to the Saints or something like that, you know. So, David, uh, Drew Locke is not safe at all, right? I think he's pretty safe in the sense that you're drafting at nine, and you know, it's just, it would take a lot. For them to be drafting a quarterback in nine, yeah. If, if, but if you're Vic Bangio, how can you ride with that guy? I mean, you're I think a good him. trade for Atlanta could be Drew Locke. And so you trade, but but you know you can't trade. Um, see the problem I have with that is that you can't. You literally can't trade Matt Ryan. You know, no, no, no. He he bent. He's the backup to Matt Ryan. Yeah, but I, I just don't see what the the upside in that for Atlanta really is. A third year quarterback being your backup, like. You could draft. You can theoretically draft a quarterback, a first rounder. It's not like, you know. I, I've seen Locke play at this level. I, I like what I see. Okay, but okay, but you're benching a third year guy compared to if you drafted a quarterback, you're benching a first year guy. Where, yeah, Locke could be very cheap, cheap contract. All right, so let's say here's some teams 
tell me some teams that would be interested in Sam Darnold if Wilson goes. I, I, can you factor in? Can you look at it and say Tampa Bay is a, a good fit for uh, Sam Darnold? You can't. No. I, I, no, Tampa uh, would not. Yeah, that's no. That's no. Fine. No, it's not no you need a rocky. You need what a rocky Denver? free agent quarterback. Spot. What about Denver? I don't think Denver is a spot. Um, I, I'll tell you the spots: Chicago, Chicago, okay, the football team, okay, Rocky veterans, Pittsburgh Steelers, okay, I like that. And you <laughs> All right, C- Seattle is a sleeper, I guess. Maybe I, I, yeah. I think Russell Wilson will get moved at some point. I really yeah. do. You know it's a weird team, okay? So once again, I think a a weird, weird, weird team that you you could be looking at. It's um the Raiders potentially for him. Okay. They love quarterbacks, right? He loves quarterbacks, and they won't hesitate. I mean, Houston Texans could be. Could be. You're looking at Deshaun Watson is looking at a lengthy suspension. I mean, it, it could be something right now. It really yeah, could they be. signed like. Tyrod Taylor to a big deal. Okay. Okay. Taylor's just as good. All right. No, so, no, no. It, it, it's, it's interesting. Okay. So the Eagles now have the most picks in the NFL draft this year 11. With, with 11. All right. They've moved down to 12. You know, maybe, I, maybe Howie Roseman's onto something. I kind of think that he's an idiot uh, until he's proven otherwise. David, can a guy like Kyle Pitts uh, or Devontae Smith? Slip there, slip all the way down to 12. I don't think Kyle Pitt stands a chance in hell of slipping to 12, to be honest okay. with you. Devonta Smith could. Okay. I think one of the I think one of the big three receivers between Waddle, well, Chase won't between Waddle and Smith could potentially fall to 12. Okay. I agree. It's a good move for the Eagles because next year you also have picks. So if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out, you're going to be able to get a great quarterback. Spencer. As we uh, wrap up this show, what was what were you most impressive with with Adams? Uh, what do you have to say? Let me figure the best story he told me. Um, the Tate Martell conversation was was a really was a really fun one. Yeah, David, that was really good. I don't know where you came up with that, but that was really good. Bree, breezy on the bench, breezy on the bench press. Uh, him talking about JT Daniels. About, I, I loved how he evaluates the quarterbacks, but I'm just going to say this. I still think that if a kid's really talented, but a head case that gets suspended from high school games, they still are five stars. So that's the thing. Like You don't want to be very offensive to an 18-year-old kid that has problems. And David and Coach, you still know this. There's so many headaches that are still five stars. I've never seen a great player docked for personality. I just have never that I think he was like alluding to it. It's like basically, and it's the same thing that you know, coach dealt with at Memphis and these type of kids. And maybe I deal with it a little bit same but I don't have five star kids. It's like, yeah, you're alluding to a suspension, maybe whatever, whatever, you know. But the reason that guy gets suspended is it a big deal, or is it something you just kind of get over in a year and like, okay, you're you're laughing about it, no one remembers it when you're at Alabama, or is it like, you know, the type of stuff that you're gonna say. You're always looking over your shoulder at the guy. Like, is this going to be a day when he just blows up? I think that's kind of the, the what he's yeah. looking to do. Like, and, and I would go this far, Spencer. When you're when you're as coaches are developing, as coaches are changing, you know what the funny part is? When you see a kid that has these, you know, issues, guess what? They they generally end up in transfer pools. You want them on their team because you're like, okay, maybe I can manage this kid. But the kid that generally has these issues, uh, I'm, I'm not like my, Micah Parsons is a headache, and I'm sure there's a ton of stories Adam would have told us about at Micah, mm-hmm. but you know, doesn't want to get out there too much. But you know, he kids like that they generally are headaches, and you know what? Some coaches are just like, man, we're just not having it back. Like I, I remember hearing the Aaron Hernandez story, and I'm not comparing Micah Parsons to Aaron Hernandez, but Urban Meyer was like, you're not coming back. You're not coming back. So you don't want to deal with that. And those kids generally have been transfer pools and everything else. Their, their heads just aren't right, you know? And, so, and yeah. And sure and, it matters. And then, Coach, I bet that there's guys that, that other coaches think are headaches that are just weird personalities that you really like. Is, isn't that true, too? Maybe. Like, you could deal with their deficiencies. Yeah, I, I just... 
I'll give you an example. Jameis Winston, I think, has like matured. He doesn't seem like a bad guy anymore, but he was like a he was a head case, you know? Yeah, but okay, so like let's put it this way. It's like his worst, like what what was he doing that was so bad? He stole some crap. Like, um yeah. uh, Uber driver, assault stuff. Yeah, but Uber driver yelling like, profanities publicly. Once again, you could change that. You know, there's nothing that like first of all, the Uber driver, there's nothing ever proven. You know, yeah. You kind of take it for its word. All right. Well, you know, let's wrap it up here. David, it was fun. Uh it was good to hear from Adam. Uh, like I said, one more roommate. Um, he's he Adam always wanted to be a, a recruiting analyst and he got to live out his dream. Much like you and I wanted to be coaches. We kind of are, just not getting paid the amount of money. Over that and Spencer, like I said, he's a, he's a great person. He's always been very helpful. I uh, appreciate Adam Gordy joining the show. Um, we'll be in touch. We got another podcast coming later this week. We're gonna have to break down the final four, boys. Anything you've seen over the weekend with some of these teams? How David? How dominant is Gonzaga? Are they just that much better than everybody? I mean, Spencer was texting me yesterday. You know, the other day, it's like, and it's nothing to do with it. You know, you get the real hot USC story. Like, can they give them a run? Then they just come out today, and it's like, no, never a chance. Like this Gonzaga team. I don't see anything changing. Maybe it does, and they you you get the one night, you know, yeah. you know the, the one game where they do lose a game. But this is this is the most dominant offensive team I've ever seen. I agree. I mean, Spencer, just, Spencer can, can Baylor hold a candle? Damn, I know. And and I even had the conversation. Um, I think Baylor Baylor will act will absolutely give him a game. I think. You know, with the defense, if, if Mitchell is 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 healthy and and playing really well, he's the one guy that can give them. They have to slow the game down. You know, that's what Baylor did so well yesterday when Arkansas was coming back. They slowed down that pace, twenty four second shot clock. But this Gonzaga team, I mean, I was arguing, and people have said that eighty five Georgetown is better or UNLV. They're they're up there with the UNLV teams, maybe of the nineties of the greatest team to ever play. Um, it's just crazy. Nemhard is so good. Uh, Jalen Suggs, but David, shout out to David. He he was absolutely right, and you as well, Coach. On the Houston Cougars, they killed Syracuse. It wasn't a game, and and this week we saw a lot of chalk in the tournament. The first weekend was chaos. I loved the first weekend. I think that this was a chalky weekend in the uh, tournament. Yeah, it was, and I, I I'm pulling the Michigan tonight. Could be three one seeds right in the uh, in the final four. <laughs> Could be. All right. All right, boys, let's wrap it up. David, want to take us out? All right, guys. Um, it was a great show. Um, if you're still listening to us, you can catch us on Apple iTunes, um, Spotify, Anchor, Google Play, anywhere you can listen to the podcast. Until next time, we got changing the times. Nicely done.